0: Welcome to the Anxiety at Work podcast. I'm Chester Elton, and this is my co-author and dear friend, Adrian Gust.
1: We hope that the time you're going to spend with us is going to help remove the stigma of anxiety and mental health in the workplace and your personal life. So we invite experts from the world of work and life to give us ideas, and most importantly, the tools to deal with anxiety in our world.
0: We want to thank our sponsors, Life Guides. They've been with us for a long time now, and it's the holiday season. So, we're going through a lot of range of emotions. I mean, going through the pandemic and everything, and it's time to connect with those we care about in the context of our business. It's time to reflect and plan for what's to come in the coming year with this in mind our sponsor life guides is offering a holiday special for leaders to ensure their executive teams have the resources they need in and outside the workplace you can offer this amazing platform and unlimited support for up to 50 people for just three thousand dollars you reach out today to, to support your culture of caring in this holiday season just go to the link and the link is LifeGuides. .com forward slash schedule a demo and in the checkout box you put in Holiday Guides 50. Now you have to do it before January and Life Guides of course gives you a personal guide to walk you through the day-to-day stressors in life. A great offer, a mouthful and now it's back to you Adrian.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we also want to sponsor, thank our sponsor Go Happy Hub Go Happy Hub is the most inclusive and timely way to communicate and engage directly with your frontline employees and candidates with 95% plus open rates. With Go Happy Hub, you can send text messages directly from corporate and enable permissions for your frontline leaders to communicate with their team. They can send notes of gratitude, logistical updates, referral opportunities, new hire introductions, etc. Easily, you can get the right message to the right people by location, job type, etc. And now if you tell them Adrian sent you... You get 60 days free. Gotta beat, can't beat that. That's Go Happy Hub. Yeah, I I don't know if I should be offended that it's, you know, uh, Adrian and not Adrian or Chester. It's alphabetical, that's Uh, all it
0: is. Always been Costacanel, yeah. Here we go. Well, listen, we are delighted to introduce to you our new friend, Julie Spurlin. Julie is Senior Vice President of Human Resources for Software AG, which has 5,000 employees around the world. She's a member of the organization's executive leadership team and provides HR leadership to teams across the Americas, EMEA, Europe, and Asia Pacific. And to warm our hearts and toes, she is also the founder and chief sock matcher of the Warm Piglies Project, which has provided thousands of socks to DC area homeless people and Jack and Ben your sons help you sort those socks. So we are delighted to have you on our humble podcast. Welcome Julie.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. Well,
1: I had a chance to to be on a panel with with Julie a little while back and I was so impressed with with your take, uh, Julie, on on mental health, on anxiety and as a as an experienced HR leader, I, we wanted you to take us through some of the leadership sk- skills you're seeing now playing out in the leaders that in your care and and, and around. Um, I'm guessing, you know, a few years ago, the skills we're seeing now probably weren't as important. So help us understand a little bit what you're seeing with leadership that's really uh, effective.
2: It's a great question. And, you know, I, Reflecting um, even both personally on my journey as well as for the leaders that I support, I think one of the most prevalent emerging pieces is um, vulnerability. So um I I was actually looking across LinkedIn last night and what struck me is, you know, there was often this this premise on LinkedIn that you know that doesn't really belong on LinkedIn. you know, personal stories, those kinds of things. And now you see that with so much more prevalence. and I think it's indicative of the vulnerability that leaders need to kind of bring to their roles and what what people are expecting, this openness and empathy and compassion around this this horrible shared experience that we've had with, through the pandemic, right? It, they're just looking for a different type of connection. You know, it was, well, that's not work appropriate, is no longer a thing, because the, the lines are blurred completely between our lives and our work. Um, so I, I would definitely say, you know, the compassion and the vulnerability, empathy would be the big ones.
0: You know, it's so funny that you mentioned that, because, you know, I do a little daily gratitude post, uh, just, you know, started at the beginning of the pandemic and it just continued to do it. And I don't really care how many people look. Well, a little bit. But, you know, I just kind of do it. And I would get that feedback hey, this isn't Facebook. Now the feedback is, oh, isn't that nice that you do that every day? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it, it is different. Now, now listen, you...
1: He even puts his bowl of porridge uh,
0: on the his, yeah. his
2: humble porridge. <laughs> <laughs> like he's
1: Goldilocks <laughs> or something.
2: Yeah. What are you,
0: Goldilocks? <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other story. Thank you, Adrian, for bringing that up. Uh, Julie, um, so undoubtedly, you know, we're heading into two years now in this pandemic, and... Uh, the teams that are suffering from anxiety and mental health in the workplace. The thing is, you have a global uh, audience that you are, are caring for. So how do you respect those cultural differences? Because I'm guessing that there there are. I mean, you've got the Middle East, you've got Asia, you've got South America. How do you respect those traditions and yet still get people the help they need? It's got to be a tough a tough task.
2: Yeah, that, is, that has been really tough, and um, one of the things that we realized early on is you know, we're 5,000 people, which is like, you know, small enough to care, big enough to scale, that's kind of how we talk about it, but we, we did not reach a point where we had equal access to an employee assistance program ac- across the globe. Our bigger markets did. Um, but given that we have, you know, small country presence, whether it's with professional services organization um, members or just, you know, various people, because we hire the talent wherever they are. We, we very global in that respect. Uh, 70 countries, I think, is where we are, um, is we would not reach that point of kind of the magnitude of people population to be able to offer that benefit. So that was one of the first things that we actually tried to do is Like, give everybody this equal access to, to a platform so they can get the kind of help they may need. Now, when you take that, not everybody's going to be willing to pick up the phone or send an email into some blind organization of like, hey, I need help on this or I'm struggling with this. Even the mere um, setting aside cultural norms to admit they're struggling with something is a hard part. So, I think um, a couple things have happened. One, We've tried to share stories in the organization, um, particularly starting with leaders. We've done this lead-hership program um, in India as well as in the U.S., where um, female leaders are also sharing their stories and being very open and vulnerable with their paths. And I think what they do is set that tone then to have those harder discussions of like, it's okay to not be okay. We're not all okay on any given day. Really, we're not. Um, and I think that, that sort of opened the door to broader discussions. Um, that's just one of our examples. But the other is, um, you know, I had to take a, a learning when, personally, when our Indian colleagues were severely hit last year. Um, and we were, as a team, trying to figure out how do we go and support them? What do we need to do? And we were sending oxygen canisters. We were doing everything we could from that regard. Um, but they were also very proud and they said, it's no worse here than anywhere else. But it was like, yeah, it is. But <laughs> but now I understand why. It is a pride and a caring in their own communities and how they face adversity and the beliefs that they have that we needed to, to appreciate and not impress our thoughts and, and how they should be asking for help or that they should be asking for help. Um, in a very, you know, Western sense on their cultural norms. So we acknowledge, like, we know you have a great care plan for your employees. Here's how we would like to help you with that, as opposed to this presumption, like we knew better what they needed to do. So that was a learning for me through the process of how to help them in a different way. Um, So yeah, hopefully those are a few examples of, of what we've tried to do.
1: Those are excellent, actually, because it is so fascinating as we as we go around the world, and you know, you don't think about this idea that. You know, maybe different or, you know, different countries, different cultures, pride might be, uh, you know, coming in as well as, right. you know, some cultures are more open to talking about this than others. You know, I, I grew up in England where, you know, you, you know, you don't talk about your feelings I mean, <laughs> <laughs> with anybody. Ever. Uh, you know, one, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things we, we actually had a guest on recently and she said, you know, most wellness programs, this kind of a little harsh here, but she said most wellness programs are an apology for what work has become and i just thought ooh, wow ooh. And, and, and so yeah it kind of hit us I right mean, between we...
0: the eyes on that one you know because it because <laughs> yeah. it sounded right for all the yeah. crazy emotions what do you think about that julie is that is that a good description but, you know
2: like ouch in a way yeah, yeah. 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 but yeah. It, it kind of goes along with this um this generational thing i was reading the other day that talked about you know Maybe my generation and earlier would criticize today's earlier, you know, n- newer generations and say that you know they're lazy, their work ethic, they're this. But it's like no, actually, these kids have it right. They're saying I don't want to sell my soul for the for the man, right? I don't want to give up everything in my life. You know, it's we we looked at it as like you know you go to work, you put your nose to the grindstone, you put in, you know, you do what needs to be done, da 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 da, da right? It's like almost at this like at all cost. So and this new generation is saying, no, I value my mental health. I value my time away from work. I value my ability to refresh and restore to be a better me when I come into work. And like I think that kind of goes along with what you're saying. A lot of these these things are it's the the anti um, approach right to what we've created work to be this this guttural commitment at all expense of a person it we can't do that anymore it's it's something had to give
1: well, then let's talk about what you are doing with wellness and resilience strategies because you, you've done a lot and, and right now people are saying, okay, um, you know, will, will, the, will, will, will my company stick with this over time, right? And so that's, that's the big question. So what are you doing? What have you found that's worked? Have you tried things that maybe didn't work and, you, you know, you're, you're re- rejiggering the program? Tell us a little bit about what you are doing.
2: So I think, you know, what we've had to realize, um, you know, my company is a 52-year-old software company, which is like a grandpa, you know, like, <laughs> in the world, especially when you look at like the the, the startups. And, um, and even in that regard, a lot of our facility footprint, I'll just kind of start from this perspective. A lot of our facility footprint was really traditional. I mean, it would look almost look more like a banking institution than a software company, um, and it, we had started to talk about what we needed to do cosmetically and, and structurally in some of our organizations right before COVID hit. so i had it i had a lovely budget planned for my my headquarters here in the u.s to do some renovations we didn't get to do it and so now when we're talking about like the hybrid return to work I'm at a deficit because my facility is not even ready to, to host this whole hybrid kind of working style. So, you know, when I go to tell people like, hey, great, you know, you can start to come back in. We're going to have a hoteling. They're like, what's my value proposition? Why would I want to do that? Right. <laughs> so there's things that we're trying to do. We, we've put together a hybrid workforce Um Task Force. Um, we started with a really cool office concept in um, we call it U nine. It's our uh, one of our offices in Darmstadt, Germany, where our headquarters is, um, where we want. To, it's it's the prototype for what we want to do, and more than just the um, the tables and the desks and things like that. What I, I recently got a chance to go through it. Um, it, it's how we collaborate with one another. And when we do bring ourselves into the office, we, we take that, that action to do so, how we can be more conducive to the, the human experience when we're in there. The, the, the cozy spots, as well as the collaboration areas and all of those things, which I think is a great step forward and how we kind of encourage people to come back to work in a, in a new normal, it's so overplayed, but true, um, you know, as I sit here, I'm still in my home, right? Because our offices here are not ready to be open. They're not ready to host us in that kind of environment yet. But this is some of the work that we're doing. And um, the other thing that we have is uh, we're doing a lot of listening sessions. So um, listen and, re- and reflection sessions, um, different things. We, we did our annual survey and we did some custom questions around both their experience during this time being home, as well as um, the notion of how they they look to be cared for when they come back so we're trying to factor all of this feedback into our plans and I think that it's giving our employees a chance to feel that they're actually heard as opposed to decisions being taken and putting put upon them. So
0: as you do this restructuring and people are coming in like early in the morning in person
2: mm-hmm. are
0: you going to have porridge for them? To, to start porridge?
2: How would <laughs> <laughs> Probably available in our German headquarters. They have a lovely canteen.
1: <laughs>
2: ah. <laughs> I'm still working on the coffee here. <laughs> yeah, it's just a great way to start the day. Um, hey,
0: listen, how can people learn more about you, Julie? Where would you send them? And, and give, feel free to give a plug for the uh, Warm Piggies project. I think it's so wonderful. Ah,
2: of course, I would love to. Um, so uh my linkedin i i try to post a few times a week um mostly meandering's not so much you know advertisements for my company i have lots of really talented smart colleagues who do that and <laughs> have lots of great stuff about what my company's doing but um, I kind of take a little bit to talk about my philosophies, some you know articles and things that I've done. Um, so LinkedIn would be great. On Facebook, yes, the Worm Piggies Project has a Facebook page. Um, we're working on actually making us like an official charity status with the government, <laughs> with my taxes <laughs> and everything. We're gonna do that. Um, but right now, we're kind of just hosted on Facebook. Um, we started back in 2016, and um, it was the fall. It was November. There was election results announced, and we'll just leave it at that. And, um, you know, one of the things that I I thought was important that, you know, to show my kids of like, regardless of what's happening at a, at a national or global level, you can still make a difference where you live. And so, you know, I read this thing of like, socks are the most needed and least donated items in shelters. And I, I was like, are you serious? It's like a sock. Like, how hard is that? So I actually went to one of our shelters locally and I talked to them and they said, yeah, when somebody comes in on the emergency shelter basis, they're given like uh, a blanket, a pillow and a clean pair of socks. This is the importance of socks. These socks, it makes the difference for somebody with diabetes, right, with other foot infections or blood infections or anything. It can make a difference between life and death. A sock. Yeah. So um, so that's what we started. And our initial mission took, um, odds and ends socks, you know, the, how they all disappear in your laundry process, who knows where they go. So everybody has that weird sock basket. Um, I was like, give them to me. I will clean them. I will try to match them loosely. We will do it. If you want to give me new socks, that's great too. Um, but we did, we did everything in that year. Um, kind of on that basis, the mountains of socks in my living room, um, and my children, my little child labor at busy with their (laughs) socks. Um, and and over the years, when COVID was introduced, you know, I was even more committed because the shelter—they were all suffering from you know donations, people having their own financial setbacks in life, right? They were giving a little less that first year when when companies were doing layoffs and things like that. So um, I was like, okay, we're going to do clean socks, new socks only, and packaged. Just it's a little easier from a processing standpoint, um, and it also gives us ability to find more homes for them. It was a little easier. So um, my husband is my trusty delivery guy. <laughs> Every year um, we go down into D.C. typically to um, Central Union Mission, the Missionaries of Charity, um, Adam's Place, which is an emergency shelter Um and we give these out children, women's, men's, like all kinds of socks. So I'm super passionate around it. And piggies comes from like piggy toes. Yeah, when yeah. my boys were little babies, you know, you count your piggies. So um, so that's where we came up with our name, which is a little silly.
0: Well, and yet memorable. So good for you. Yes. You know, a, a good cause. Well, listen, back to um, back to what we were talking about, you know, with the anxiety and all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's really interesting. We found that leaders really do need to find new and innovative ways to communicate uh, mm-hmm. with their employees. And, you know, we've kind of got this theory that if you think you're over-communicating, it's, it's probably about right. But right. how have you done it at, uh, at, at Software AG? How have you found ways to communicate, particularly with remote teams, and, and making sure the message gets through? Have you found anything that's really kind of innovative that you want to share?
2: I don't know about innovative, but... Um, you know, I sure try because I think one of the one of the important things that I've learned, um, this is my first non U.S. based company. Right. So I, something that didn't dawn on me until I was in the job. And so suddenly I'm rest of world. Right. And that's a It's a unique um, as, a, as an American. We often are HQ. Right. So when I suddenly realized I wasn't being communicated as well as you know, with as well as I would have preferred, it really made me appreciate what it's like to be rest of world. Um, so when I when I craft communications, particularly those to like my go to market teams and things like that globally, I try to factor in small things like consider the timing of when you're sending something out. Like if I'm sending something out and it's Middle East, like I probably want to think about not a Friday, you know, but. Right. Um, when I want to schedule something, I need to probably not do Friday morning because that's already Friday night for my APJ friends. So when we're doing communications, whether they're all hands, town halls, even the sending of an email, critically think about the time zones that you're you're addressing so you're not interrupting people. And this this compulsive behavior that has really, really emerged during... COVID, where we have this like always on sentiment, right? Is that the fear of missing out, the FOMO, which I just taught my boss that term, <laughs> she's German, <laughs> she's like, I don't know FOMO. Um, the fear of missing out is very real, that if somebody, they're like, oh, this is a terrible time for me, but I'm going to get up at three in the morning to join this call, because it's probably important. No, as, as the leaders, we own like being more cognizant about that. So I think, you know, that's that's one thing I've really tried to do and encourage my other leaders to do. And also vary the platforms. So we have Net at Work, which is um, you know our SharePoint sites, and we're trying to drive traffic there. But to be more concise, put the teaser in the email, drive people to this consolidated place where they can have hyperlinks to other pieces of information that they want, because it's otherwise inundating. You know, I was trying to find how somebody told me something the other day, and I was looking at my email, my phone text, my Teams chat, my and I was like, I don't remember how they told me this. <laughs> that alone, and that's just me. So multiply that out about around you know 5000 people we're all having this like information overload so making it as simple and concise and, and telling them where they can go for more information i think is really key in in not overloading it or un- assuming that you're doing enough so putting it all there making it and record 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 whatever you do record the sessions because everybody's busy and or sleeping and we need to make sure that this content is available for folks.
0: And sometimes they're asleep during the presentation, so they've got that to can, look at it later. That be right?
2: the case, yeah. but I, I'm not afraid to say it. That probably happens.
1: Love it. Well, that's a you know, and I love what you're talking too about, you know, the, the FOMO, because we see that definitely with younger generations. You know, one of our stats, I think, says 85% of uh, people in their 20s sleep next to their phone because they don't want to miss anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, t- tremendous anxiety inducer by the way. So uh, you, you know, you mentioned younger generations earlier about, you know, we have to understand as leaders, this is not a a generation that for the most part thinks like we did. Uh, They don't want to sell their soul to the, to the company store here. So what are you seeing generationally in, cause I mean, you're tech too, you're hiring some of the best and brightest coming out, knowledge workers. What are you seeing and what can, what can help us Uh, really relate better to to younger workers, maybe bring down anxiety levels and increase, you know, maybe productivity as well?
2: So I think it's a number of things, you know, one, one, I will say, I I think having an 18 year old (laughs) myself, um, you know, he is one of those people I didn't know till we were in a hotel room and his phone kept flashing I was like, what is going on? He's like, it's Snapchat. So <laughs> like, what is so important? What is, it? and he's like, you just don't get it, mom. Nope, I don't. Anyway, um, but but having that constant contact, the always on kind of thing, it's even more for them. But that can also lead to greater burnout for them. Um, you know, it, it is too much and they're trying to do too much at the same time trying to balance their, their desires to have these have hobbies for crying out loud, whatever those things are. Um, you know, to have this time where they're not at work. So I think what we, you know it's important to look at um, is they have a different desire for connection in the workplace too. So when when we used to be in the office, um, I had a, a group that sat upstairs, our really talented sales development reps, and um, you know every day as like a little gaggle, they would go over to Starbucks. <laughs> like this was their connect time. And, you know, I, I loved it. And I'm like, the, this is a, a connection that's really important for them because they do work on a team and in a team environment. Um, you know, since we've all gone home, I've worried about them. Like, how how are we doing? Do they still feel that connection? And I think that their manager has really endeavored to try to give them those opportunities, those, yes, virtual, but still connection points. And now, slowly but surely, uh, I mean, we are on a volunteer basis back at the office. You do see folks coming back in for that so whereas I have colleagues that, you know, maybe my generation or earlier are like, I don't ever need to go back to the office. Right. <laughs> I do think that there's a valuable connection point that um, that kind of comes in that we need to make sure that we care for. Um, you know, a lot of times they're they're really busy as far as work is concerned. And work is a bit of a network of their friendships. And it is their support systems. You know, this is why Gallup asks, do you have a best friend at work? Which Trying to explain that question globally, by the way, to my colleagues, people are like, I don't need a best friend. I'm like, it's not really like best friend, but no, we can't change the language, right? But it is that trusted colleague. It's that, it's that person that's like your person during the day. We spend more hours a day the, with these people than we do most of our loved ones. So the newer generation wants to have that, that connective tissue in a different way than, than I think we've seen before. And I think honoring and respecting that is important.
0: Yeah, and just to make sure we've got the record straight, Adrian is my best friend at work.
2: Aww, yeah, I, know. Aww, I love that for you guys. For twenty, years.
1: <laughs> and Chester and Chester is somebody I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's> true, <laughs> and Chester is my work colleague.
0: Yeah, um, what advice do you have for HR professionals that are having a tough time selling this into their leadership that you know mental health is really important, it needs to be addressed? Well, what advice would you give them? Because there still are people out there we know we know them, right? That just suck it up, Buttercup. You know.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I think first things first, if I could just take a moment to make a plug for the HR community. We're tired, y'all. We're tired. Yeah. <laughs> We're tired. And and every time everybody looks for like the adult in the room, they look at HR and literally I don't know how many times I've uttered the sentence, this is my first pandemic too in the last <laughs> year and a half, right? right. I'm like I don't know. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Let's, let's we'll figure it out. Um, but the HR community is tired, and and we're 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 bearing the bre- whether it's employee illness or loss in their family, or people complaining they don't have a monitor to do their work at home, to you know just the the productivity losses or performance issues, or you know retaining our key talent during the turnover tsunami. HR is on every front of this, and so selfless plug: be kind to your HR people, please. <laughs> um, so that's my first part. Second part. I think part of it is, you know, it's being willing to share your own story of exhaustion and vulnerability and your own needs and, and using that to influence leaders. And sh- when they take the moment to they, you know, when I have sometimes they'll say things like, gosh, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm so busy. I've never been busier. It's like, you know what? Your teams are that way, too. Mm -hmm. Right. Take those moments of like, I know I feel that way. I'm there, too. And, you know, I can't even put my finger on it some days that things are just crazier and reminding them that things roll downhill. And if you feel that way, everyone down the chain is likely feeling some aspect of that and may also be dealing with a, a tiny cramped apartment with family members there too and not having the this, this space to, to even think on some days. Like we can't fully understand the experience that all of our employees are having, but we just need to be mindful that it's probably not exactly like yours and in some cases maybe worse. So I just take a very human approach to it. I'm really willing and comfortable being very very much a human being um not always in my career but this is where I've come to I'm a human first and with those flaws and foibles and idiosyncrasies and my own anxiety like fun fact I've I got to run a show two days ago and so I've had two days to have anxiety over how this was gonna go <laughs> right like real this is the reality of like okay what do we say what if it's not good you know everybody's having this and i don't mind sharing that experience and i think that helps to keep the leaders that i support even the reluctant ones who still put on a a tremendous amount of bravado to realize look you just can't approach everybody like this right asking them to leave it at the door when the this is the same door where my other stuff lives too um this is this is not where we are anymore
1: I love that, Julie. Thank you so much. I mean, you, yeah, you are part of an executive team of a global company. This is, yeah, you know, it's software. We know how fast things move and how... And how, you know, very analytical people can be in your industry. And so thank you, yeah, for helping uh, bring uh, your people back to humanity. That, that's so awesome. Now, you mentioned, too, just a second ago that, okay, you have anxiety, too. We all do. Um, so tell us a little bit about your self-care tactics. We're always interested in that. How do you, as a, you know, very, very busy person, find some practices that personally help you thrive?
2: So I think it <laughs> It depends. Um, and honestly, I'll start by saying I have not done a great job of it for a lot of the last two years. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was trying to reflect on, on some of these things and, you know, there was a point in time where I was, I was running and that was great, but, you know, I got a little more mature and things started hurting when I did it. So, you know, that went away. Um, so I would love to say I have all these healthy habits and hobbies and everything that kind of keep me grounded and centered, eh. Um, I try to meditate. I really do. I try to meditate when I can. I have a calm or headspace. They're great apps for this to help you. If you've never done it, it feels weird at first and your mind wanders, but that's okay too. Um, I crochet and knit cause I'm 80 years old. Um, and <laughs> I mostly for, mostly for my charity. I also donate hats and scarves and stuff like that along with it. Um, And I do, it's like when you're doing that, it's really hard to kind of think about too many other things because I don't want to like drop a stitch, as they say. Um, So I do that. The other thing, you know, uh, friends make fun of me because when the pandemic hit, they were like, oh, you know, what's everybody reading? And they were all like pop culture novels, young adult, whatever. And I was like, um, Auschwitz lullaby. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, <laughs>
2: not exactly. Not exactly. It's true. It's a great book, by the way. Um, not exactly light reading. But for me, it's the immersive experience and kind of learning. And, and I'm a sociologist. Right. So I love the, the whole experience. So between that or like watching um, Dope Sick. That, again, it's not light material. But for me, it's very. it feeds the, the learning aspect that I have. Um, but I will also say, if you have not. Watch Ted Lasso. Do yourself and everyone in your life a favor and watch that show. It is one of the most amazing, just human conversations and leadership examples of leading with empathy and being very human and vulnerability that I could ever hope to see on screen. So there's my. No, I am not paid by Apple. That would be cool. but yeah, so it's like kind of finding those things that fill your cup and like fill, yeah. fill up your, your mental yeah. capacity and soul. Um, but yeah, I'm also trying to be better about it. If, like when my downtime is downtime, but a yeah. work in progress. Yeah. See, what did I tell you about Ted Lasso? Adrian, Adrian goes, hey, I watched the first
1: episode. So no, you know, you got to stick with it. Yeah, no, 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 I did. Yeah, I finished
2: yeah, yeah, it all yeah. season two Nickel. now. So no, I'm hooked.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey, and, and just before we get into the wrap up here, um, you're crocheting, oh. uh, by the way. Yes. Could I put in an order for a couple of doilies for our couch? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Would you
2: like those in tan or? <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Forest I green. Love I love it. it. I love yes, it. Good forest green. green. That's going to be a hat. There so. you go.
0: Hey, listen, uh, as we wrap up, what's one thing mm-hmm. you'd like HR professionals, leaders to take away from the conversation today? Your your one golden piece of advice. No pressure. Be brilliant.
2: Okay. Brilliant. <laughs> Whew, got it. Um I will share this, and this is from an example of somebody who actually works on my team. And, you know, she had this breakthrough. She's another person, very open, you know, struggles with her own anxiety and um, in in a hidden disability to boot. Um, We were talking and she said that she has found it extremely freeing that when people say, hey, how are you? She actually answers honestly. Huh. She made a change in her life to go from oh I'm fine you know everything's everything's fine everything's fine you know we all say that because we think it's the courteous thing to do you know it's very as you said you know very British you know you're all right yep I'm good yeah everything's good right no to actually take the chance to answer honestly maybe not brutally, but honestly. And it opens up the conversation for the people on the other side to also feel that. So then you you kind of bring yourself immediately into whatever conversation you're going to have, a shared experience by starting to say, you know, I've had better days. Today is not so great. Or, you know, this is the 15th time I've had something go wrong this year. Um, it, it invites a much more connected level of conversation. And I think right now, as HR professionals, this is what... People need from us. This is our moment. This is like, I don't want to say watershed because it sounds dramatic, but I'm going to say it. This is our <laughs> watershed moment to bring human back to human resources. To have people really connect with us we are not the harbingers of death for all employees you know we are not only here as advocates of the company we are truly those of us who are passionate and committed to our craft are here for the employees as well and no better way to establish that connection than be honest when you start the conversations how are you start honestly and earnestly and i guarantee you it will fill your cup
0: that's great well her name is Julie Sperlin. She is the Senior Vice President of Human Resources and Software AG. More importantly, the founder of the Warm Piggies Project, which she is very passionate about. You have been beyond delightful, Julie. Thank you so much for giving us your time and your wisdom.
2: My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me.
0: You know, Adrian, I wish we had people on the podcast that were just a little more passionate. Oh, yeah. You know? It's a shame. It's yeah. a Bring shame. a little energy, you just would you? Tell, Yeah.
1: People don't care.
0: <laughs> oh, could, could she be more delightful and passionate? I, you know, there were just so many takeaways. That, you know, the new yeah. skills you, right, we asked right away. Vulnerability. And I liked how she wrapped up and said, hey, when somebody says, how are you doing? Be honest. Take that yeah. chance, she said, to be vulnerable and say, you know what? I've had better days. I thought that vulnerability was so important.
1: Well, and I love what she's saying, too, is that and she is the adult in the room many times as the head of HR for a a major company. Uh, You know, this is really interesting what she's saying, what they are specifically doing. So instead of, hey, here's another here's another thing we're implementing from corporate, she's saying, look, for example, hybrid work, it's here to stay. But we're, instead of just telling people what we're going to do, we've put together a task force right. of people who will be affected. Um, we're doing listening sessions. I love that. You know, real specifics of what, you know, Software AG is doing to, to try and keep wellness alive past this, this one-time event.
0: Yeah, because, you know, I, I'm with you, Adrian. I think a lot of employees are saying, oh... When this passes, we're going to go right back to where we were, and it's going to be misery. I do love when she talked about advice to HR, Say, we're tired, (laughs) y'all. We're tired. You know, we're as tired as you are. And I know you want us to be the adults in the room. You want us to have all the answers. Just, you know, understand that we're human as well. And and boy, she used the term human so many times, put the human back into human resources. And I thought that was, again, being very honest and vulnerable.
1: Well, it was, and again, lots of specifics, like for example, communication yep. in a global company you want to create anxiety, make people feel isolated and she 's saying that happens so for example, we do a lot of coaching with middle east they 're closed most fridays um, they work sunday it 's a different environment, but are we aware of that? are we being are we being you know f- cognizant of when we plan meetings so it 's in the middle of the night in for our European colleagues or Asian colleagues, etc? So, uh, you know, be more concise. I thought thought that was just terrific advice, record sessions and, and, and let people know that they're not missing out. Include them. Just some great advice.
0: Yeah. I loved when she said, you know, it's the first time I worked for a company that wasn't headquartered in the States. So all of a sudden, I was the rest of the world, you know, and made her sensitive to that. Yeah, just really a great take. and I loved her passion around you know the piggly wiggly socks or the little piggy socks. <laughs> I'll get it right. What's it? We want to you know, warm sure. piggies. Warm yeah, piggies yeah. project. There we go. Um, isn't that great that you know she took all this great learning and stuff and has translated it into
1: her community in D.C. Uh, to yeah. make a difference, one on one. Oh, uh, it's so great to yeah have these these amazing leaders on our on our show. And I notice this too as I go into you know some really amazing companies. Ah. Uh, it's amazing as you start meeting some of these folks who are leading these companies, they're really interesting people. Right. You know, I met one guy at Cisco who who was such a Rush fan that he had seen them like a hundred <laughs> times. And, you know, you're just kind of really interesting. And uh, and Julie, with her passion for keeping the, the, the toes of the homeless, you know, warm and toasty. So just, again, an amazing guest. So many great takeaways.
0: Yeah. Hey, listen, special thanks to our amazing podcast producer. Brent Klein to Christy Lawrence who helps us find all these incredible guests and to all of you who listened in thank you so much if you enjoyed the podcast download it share it with some friends and uh, give us five stars and if you didn't like the podcast please just keep it to yourself yeah yeah yeah.
1: our fragile, our fragile egos can't <laughs> handle it hey we also want to spo- uh, thank our sponsor Life Guides. with the holiday season upon us that can of course elicit a range of emotions for people Try out Life Guides. This is a community that, that provides guides that have gone through the same issues that your people have. And now there's an amazing holiday special. Uh, you can support up to 50 people for just $3,000. So go to Life Guides. It's lifeguides.com slash schedule hyphen A hyphen demo. And when you're checking out, put in the code Guides 50
0: Holiday Guides, don't forget the S. And also to our, our great friends at Go Happy Hub, the most inclusive and timely way to communicate and engage directly with your frontline employees because it's a text. It has a 95% open rate. You can update the people on logistical things, send congratulations and messages, gratitude, simple uh, segmentation by location, job type, language, and so on. And now all of you can have 60 days of a free trial. All you have to do is say, Adrian sent you. Let's Go Happy Hub.
1: Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Thank you again, Chess, for for being my partner in this journey. It's always uh, enlightening. It's always a great way to start our day when we get to meet an amazing leader like Julie.
0: Yeah, and you really are my best friend at work, Adrian. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> Lastly, uh, we'd love for you to share our podcast, but also join us in the We Thrive Together Global Community online. It's free. It's a safe place to talk about anxiety and mental health. We have great uh, content there. We bring in wonderful guests, and we highlight this podcast as well. So join us there hey happy holiday season to everybody and unless you have other plans and we look forward to seeing <laughs> you next week take care and be well